Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest with us. We have hit songwriter for Big Loud, John Byron. John started writing and rapping at the age of 15, and after attending Belmont University, he signed with Big Loud in 2020. You've heard John's song, 865, that was on Morgan Wallen's Dangerous album, and you're going to hear the story behind how he wrote that song with Blake Pendergrass and them getting to hear it live at a sold-out Bridgestone Arena show. I had a great time talking to John. I hope you guys enjoy, and we'll see you at the end. How you doing today, John? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome, man. So getting right into your story, you grew up in Brentwood, Tennessee, right in Music City. What was your childhood like? Man, my childhood was uh, like, in, you know, most childhoods. I played a lot of sports and uh, went to school and, you know, hung out with my friends and stuff like that. My dad was actually my, my school principal for most of my life. So, you know, I got to uh, elementary school. You know, I, I was the kid who got to watch Tom and Jerry at lunch and, you know, in high school, you know, I, I get to go get some Chick-fil-A and, uh, you know, just, you know, all the good, all the good stuff. And then uh, I didn't even start really doing music till I was probably 15 or 16. Oh, wow. Now, uh, did you ever have to get sent to the principal's office uh, with your dad? Uh, you know what? One time, one time I did, my dad, he operated the cameras and, and he said, hey, man, look at these, these two people skipping class here. And I looked and I was like, oh, man, that's crazy. And then and then I realized in the background, it was it was me making out with my girlfriend against the locker. And he was like, he was like, yeah, don't do that again. I was like, OK, uh, that's my bad. Dad. That's my bad. That's my bad. <laughs> now, did you grow up in a musical family at all or did you kind of come across music yourself? So uh, my dad, actually, uh, he's from a town like two hours south of here called Collinwood, Tennessee. And uh, so like Southern Methodist gospel singing and stuff is really big down there. So he's he uh, he had a big family gospel band that he sang in like him and uh, my aunts and uncles and his uh, my grandparents. And then my uh, grandfather, I mean, he wasn't he didn't really get into music probably till like 10 years ago, but he's the one who kind of really got me into it. I grew up, you know, listening to country with my dad on the radio, but I didn't really think much of it. And then uh, my grandpa one night, he just, <clears throat> he came upstairs and uh, he, he sat down and played this guitar and that I didn't even know I had. And he was like, I want you to rap me a song by the next time I see you. And I'm like, okay, grandpa, you know, like 14 year old me, if it's year old me. So then I sat, sat there and just, I figured out how to play. I think I went on YouTube and learned how to play Just to See You Smile by uh, Tim McGraw. And uh, so I kind of just like used chords from that and then wrote songs on top of it. Cause I always wrote poetry for, you know, my eighth grade, ninth grade girlfriend. You yeah. know, I was, I was a schmooze, you know. So, uh, so I did that and then I just kind of put the words to music and that's just kind of how it happened. Now kind of even uh, rewinding backward a little bit, uh, you kind of talked about the gospel music and also listening to country with your dad. Do any artists or records kind of stick out that you kind of connected with as a kid that got you into music? Man, I remember uh, there were two that I really remember always listening to, and that was sold by I think John Michael Montgomery. You know, he really wanted to give me a yeah. <laughs> that one, and then uh, and then if you're going through hell by Rodney Atkins, we we listened to those a lot. Um, growing up and so I really I really loved those um, but I didn't man it wasn't even country music that I first got into I think it was really like what I started writing the most of was like rap I went on YouTube and they were guys who made beats and so I'd I'd write I'd write lyrics like raps for these guys with beats and like they'd pay me like 50 bucks or whatever and you know it was so I was like just doing rap stuff and, uh, and then uh, 
from there, I, I realized that I'm in, you know, in Nashville and rap's probably not going to be my best option here. So, <laughs> so I uh, quickly di- diverted to country. Now, I'm sure you can agree too. I mean, I've talked a lot about this with other guests that there's a lot of uh, kind of connections with country and rap that a lot of people don't realize. Like, there's a lot of storytelling mm-hmm. in rap as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Now, uh, what kind of drew you to kind of writing rap uh, other than just doing a country like when you first started? Man, you know what? I think it was just kind of, you know, you go through that age uh, when you're in uh, like high school and, you know, it's just the popular music that's what's played. And so like you hear, you know, it was on the radio. And so like I always thought it would be fun to do it. And so I just started doing it. You know, I think me and my buddies would listen to it. And I was like, I could write something like this, you know. And so I just started writing, started rhyming dumb words and I think that's probably the reason I started doing it. I, I wasn't even really into country music until probably my sophomore, junior year of high school. My buddy took me to CMA Fest, which just happened like two weeks ago here. But um, he took me to the show, and, and I remember seeing Zach Brown Band for the first time, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, this is crazy. And so it was like, you know, it was like it was that album they were coming off of that was like Chicken Fried and like Toes in the Sand and all that stuff. I'm sorry, bro. And, um, and so uh, – I remember seeing that and I, I told my, my buddy was like, so you like country music now? I was like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty far. Pretty good. So growing up in Nashville, did you have anyone that you're kind of still working with now that you grew up with like Ernest or the block brothers or anything like that? Man, you know, I thought I would, you know, I, I didn't grow up with them. Uh, but I did grow up with my buddy, Mike, uh, we met in seventh grade. And so he actually is, one of the VPs of A&R here at Big Loud. And so we, uh, I w- he moved here from Minnesota when he was, I think, 13. And we were moving into the same neighborhood that was just being developed. And so we were both at the model home at the same time. And so I was the first person he ever met in Tennessee. And, and uh, so we stayed boys in high school and then he went off to play football in college. And about two years later, I was at Belmont doing music stuff. And he called me, he's like, hey man, like. I think I'm coming back to Nashville. I want to do some music stuff. Like I'd love to catch up and get one. So I was like, heck yeah, man. So he ended up getting a job at a publishing company over here. And then he was like, Hey man, just hold off on like looking for like a deal or something. Cause I'm about to be at this company that I think is really cool. I was like, Oh, what company He's like big loud. And I was like, Oh my God, that's crazy, dude. That's insane. So he got here and he, he, um, he brought me in. Uh, he started setting me up on rights with like Craig Wiseman and Jamie Moore and Chris Tompkins. Um, they're all prolific writers and, and, uh, I got very lucky because I guess they just took to me, which was really sweet of them. And, uh, they ended up offering me a deal. So Mike is still like my right hand man and one of my best friends to this day. So that's awesome, man. What did high school look like for you? Did you start playing out at all in the Nashville area or were you kind of just working on music and releasing it? Man, in high school, I really, the only thing I did, I think, was like open mic nights. My my buddy's parents, they played music and they were like, hey, you should come play these open mic nights or whatever. So I think I played like three or four of those. Um, but I was really just kind of write, trying to write and stuff um, because I was really like, my main focus at that point was like getting into Belmont because I knew there was an audition process to like get in for songwriting and singing and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I actually got rejected the first time. And so I was like, oh. So I was like, well, maybe if I reapply, I can make it in. And so I reapplied and they let me in. Um, and uh, so really just high school was less of like outperforming and more of just like, all right, let's get these songs so I can get into school. And then uh, and then when I got to Belmont was more when I was like trying to develop as an artist and, and you know, playing out at 
third and Lindsley or um, what was it, twelfth and Porter and places like that. So now, what did uh go like? What was the importance of going to Belmont for you? Uh, and like, what did you study there instead of just kind of just going out and like kind of get your feet wet right right away in the music industry? Well, to be honest, I probably wasn't didn't really care to go to school um, because you know when you're 18, you think you're the shit, and so <laughs> I was like, I don't need that. But my dad, my dad, as I said, he was my principal pretty much my whole life, so he grew up in education. So education is very important in our family. He's like, no, 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 you're you're gonna go to college. And uh, I think it's because I was really bad at music back then, but they just didn't want to tell me. And they were like, no, he needs to go to school. And I was like, okay. So I went to uh, I went to Belmont. And the importance there is really just like being in Nashville, being around everything. So you can like go out to shows and meet people and stuff like that. Um, also, just the fact that everyone's going to Belmont for music, um, it helps because you're meeting like-minded people who have like-minded goals. So kind of just like you grow together, like me and my buddy Blake, we uh we were in the same TT group. So like freshman year, you get together, like you know you have like your one little squad. They set you up with of like ten people. He was in that, and so um like two years later, we started writing every single Monday, and uh, and like honestly, the best thing I got out of Belmont, like the education was fine, um, and I'm sure everyone will tell you this: the education's fine, but the the connections you make are so vital. So like the fact that I met Blake. He's been like my biggest, you know, my biggest blessing, I think, from Belmont. Um, and so, like, you know, however many thousands and thousands of dollars I paid there, I tell him, I was like, you're, you're definitely my most expensive friend. You're definitely, <laughs> I definitely spent the most money on you, so. Now, in 2016, you released your debut EP, Across That Line. What was your inspiration going into making that record? Man, so I, at that point, I really wanted to be an artist. Um, I was like, you know, I had gone to those CMA Fest, and I was like, this would be so freaking fun to, like, perform in front of people and all that stuff. And so I met a guy named Ken Rainey. My mom invited me to this. Well, she was like, hey, come to the Super Bowl party. There's this guy here who does music and blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay. So, like, I bring my guitar, like, you know, this little happy, like, excited 16, 17-year-old I am, and, and I play a couple songs, and... And so we keep in touch and he eventually signs me to a deal. And he's like, Hey man, like, if you're really serious about this artist stuff, I'd love to help develop you and like produce some stuff or like get a producer who can produce your stuff and release some records and stuff like that. And so um, I wrote for a year and then we met a guy named Jimmy Ritchie and Don Poitras and they helped me this album and like release these songs uh, just essentially can was like, I just want to have people when I set you up on rights, they can like reference you and listen to, to like what you do. And that music is like nothing what I really do now, to be honest, I kind of have a different niche in country now. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely a good way to like get my foot get my feet wet in the industry and like, you know, get people to know who I am and stuff like that. So. What I think is really cool about that is uh, I gave it a listen and you can really hear your rap background coming in from that too. Like, <laughs> and also the early country as well. You really found like, uh, your sound at that time is really yeah. uh, apparent in that for sure. Well, thanks, bro. Now, what, uh, your path to in 2020, you signed with Big Loud. How did that come about? So, like I said earlier, my, my buddy Mike was like, hey, man, I'm going to this company, like, you know, hold off on a deal. And so he, he hooked me up with these writers and, and, um, he was like, keep sending me songs or stuff just because, like, I want to listen. And I sent him, uh, my buddy Blake, we wrote this song, uh, 919. And I sent it to him. He's like, man, this song's pretty cool. And uh, I was like, yeah, I think it's pretty dope too. And I didn't think anything of it. And like a few months later, he 
like, I know it's kind of crazy, but I think Morgan is going to cut it. And I was like, Morgan Wallen? He's like, yeah. He's like, do you mind if he changed it to like 865? And I was like, no, dude. I was like, he can put his name on the song if he wants to. Like, I don't care. Like, he can take a third. And he said Morgan was just a nice guy. And he's like, no, I don't want those two to have their their kind of moment. And so um, me and Blake were very, very blessed um, when Morgan decided to put that song on the record. And so whenever, whenever um, it was like official that they were doing that was really when I think they decided they're like, yeah, we kind of want this guy on our team at Big Loud. Um, so, you know, yeah, it was just a, it was really cool how organically it happened. Now, I don't know if Blake has told you this, but, uh, we actually had him on the show a couple of weeks ago and he told me he didn't think you were going to like the idea when he brought it to you to write that. Yeah. He, after this, after we wrote the song, he was like, I don't know. It's okay. I'm like, dude, I think this is a good song, bro. I think it's pretty freaking good. I was like any phone number song, you know, people are gonna like it. I'm like, if they can sing a phone number, it's, you know, it's an automatic hit. So uh, yeah, he, uh, we talk about that all the time. We laugh about it. He's like, dude, I just don't know. I think it's okay. I'm like, dude, I think this is freaking good. But yeah, so yeah, he definitely, he definitely had his doubts about it at first, but I don't think, I don't think he has any doubts about it anymore. So. For sure. I mean, it's one of my favorites on the Morgan record and kind of like thinking about the day you guys wrote it, do any lines specifically like stick out that like you're super proud of or anything like that? Man, um, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm proud of the whole thing, like, like how it all happened and what he came in with and what we, you know, finishing with. I just think all of it's so freaking cool. I just, you know, I, I read, you know, I read the lyrics to that song and I'm like, we did good that day. We did, yeah. we did. All right. We, it's like one of those things, like a lot of times you'll write a song and you'll, you can pick out pieces. You're like, maybe there's a hole there or something like that. Maybe, maybe it's not a hundred percent perfect. And like when I read through a song, I was like, yeah, this is, there are no flaws to me. So now, what did it mean to you this past year uh, when Morgan brought his Dangerous tour to Nashville and you got to hear a whole arena sing that at Bridgestone, kind of sing the song that you wrote? Oh, man. It was a crazy feeling. I definitely, definitely cried a few happy tears. Um, I got to watch it with my dad. I got to watch it with Blake. And uh, it was just crazy seeing it in, like, the hometown arena. It was just, like, so special because, you know, I, I'm at that place all the time. I'm a big Nashville Preds fan. Yeah. And so I'm there all the time and I've been to so many concerts there and stuff like that. And like just wanting to hear like, you know, a song played, like let alone people singing it. So like whenever he played it and like the whole crowd was singing it, man, it was like such a surreal experience. Like I was like, tearing up, my dad was tearing up. It was a good time, you know, me and Blake were, we were having our moment. It was, it was. That's awesome. Now in 2021, uh, another artist I think is going to have a huge career ahead of herself too is Ashley Cook. And you wrote her single under with Rocky Block. What do you remember about the day you guys wrote that one? Man, I remember we were actually, that was like before I was even here at my studio at Big Loud. I was signed to Big Loud. But, um, COVID happened, so we weren't allowed in the building. And so they both came over to like my crappy little apartment. And uh, we sat in my living room and, and we wrote this song. And like, I remember the demo was just like, literally an acoustic guitar or whatever and, and uh she sang the crap out of it i was like dang this chick's pretty freaking fire she's pretty good and uh because i think i'd written with her one time on zoom before um but me and her we, we become really close me and rocky we're really close and and so that that day was a blessing all around just you know getting that song and then you know starting a really like two really really good friendships so um that that day was that day was definitely a really really good day for sure now, I like to close all my interviews out by asking my guests a piece of advice that's something you've learned along the way you kind of pass on to the next generation of musicians. 
Man, my biggest thing is to always celebrate other people's success because in this in this industry, it's really easy to compare yourself and uh, see where other people are at in, in comparison to you. And, and it can get you down sometimes if, if other people are just like, feels like they're like their success is just flying and you kind of feel like you're stalling and something like that. It's, it's always important to remember to be happy for other people and, and it can be healthy for it to, you know, motivate you to work harder and stuff like that. But always, always celebrate other people's triumphs and successes because like, I, obviously that's what you want people to do for you because you're going to have success too. And, you know, one day you're not going to, you're not going to want people to be like, oh, dude, I'm so pissed that he just got like a number one song. Like, that's not what you want. You want your best friends to be like, dude, hell yeah. I love that for you, man. Like, I love you. Congratulations. Like, that's what you want. So like, always remember to be that guy who is encouraging everyone else and supporting other people because it's, you know, it'll go a long way in your career because I think this town is such a people town and, you know, I think the people who really stick it out and make it are the people that other people want to be around. You know, it's like, if you're somebody who's kind of an, kind of an a-hole, like, I don't know how long you're really going to make it. You know, I know some people like that and they didn't make it super long. So it's just kind of like, and sometimes it's not even like a talent thing. It's really just like, you can't get rights because other people are like, I don't want to write with this guy because he's kind of a douchebag. So it's like, you know, just be a sweet guy, just be a sweet person, sweet guy, sweet girl support other people, always encourage other people and like be there for, you know, be there for th their successes and, you know, yours is going to come and, you know, hopefully they'll be right there next to you when you have yours. So. Well, guys, there you have it. My conversation with John Byron. John, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I had an awesome time talking with you. Everyone go follow him on Instagram at John Byron Music and go stream his new release out right now, Chase Rice's new song, Key West in Colorado. I want to give a big thank you to TBD Coffee Co. for being the official coffee of Starting Small Music. Check them out at tbdcoffeeco.com. And make sure to come back next week to hear my conversation with hit songwriter and producer, Will Weatherly. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from interviews. And also, follow Starting Small Music on Instagram, at Starting Small Music, and let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next. And remember, everyone starts small.